0: Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: This is a CBC Podcast. Welcome to Sick Boy, a podcast where we talk about what it's like to be sick. This week's guest is Trisha, and she's got a bad case of diabetes. Let's talk about it. I feel like I feel like this recording that we are about to get into here is literally just going to be a sort of overview of every fucked up scenario that humans have found themselves in over the last eight years of talking about illness. Um, Wait, in one person? I mean, you life. name it, you name it. We're, and Trish has been through it all. You want to talk about what? Do you want to talk about Brian? You want to talk about miscarriage? Yeah, we could do that. You want to talk about diabetes? We could do that. You want to talk about going blind? Sure, we could talk about that. We could, do, uh, we could do organ transplant, if you guys want to talk about organ transplant. No, no, no. not in one
0: person's We mind. could talk
2: about HELP syndrome. Uh, we might have talked about that in the, in the past. I, I mean, we could talk about mental illness if we wanted. In this episode, it's I don't know if we have
0: time for all of that.
2: We don't. <laughs> <laughs> we, we have an hour, so Trisha, be fucking be concise. Uh, all right, I'll try. try. Tr- Trisha, um, uh, who who goes by your ladyship, um, is uh, <laughs> joining us today. <laughs> Did and it say that
1: in the application? Yeah, Trisha yes, said I've, I've always
2: liked your ladyship, but Trisha or Trisha's fine. But I mean, you know, we like to keep it formal. Can I here. be
1: your manship? <laughs> I think Trisha <laughs> doesn't remember you writing it. Cannot any of this. be my manship. That is
2: that is reserved for a very special man. Um That's okay, and I'm not it? No. My dad. <laughs> my dad's my man chip <laughs> how dare you uh trish thanks for joining us today i i mean you've 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 been through the ringer and and I, I honestly like i would love to kind of find a way to get through all of the crazy shit you've been through even though i know we we absolutely won't be able to but before we get into it um and before we get into the one thing that i want like i would love for you to start off your story with with one particular experience that you've been through but before we get to mm-hmm. that please introduce yourself give our listeners a bit of insight into who uh, your ladyship <laughs> really is
3: um all right well uh name's Tricia um I'm in my mid-40s and uh I don't know I think I'm just here to share my story uh almost like a what not to do when you're uh first diagnosed with diabetes I was a very stubborn kid so uh didn't listen too well so I guess you reap what you sow and uh yeah, I don't know. Just, uh, I made it. I'm a survivor and, uh, managed to keep, you know, good spirits after having been through a lot of shit. Mm. And, uh, I think I'm stronger for it. I'm just, yeah, just thought I would.
2: Well, yeah. And you've, you've most certainly been through some shit. Uh, maybe you could, maybe you could like take us all the way back. (laughs) <laughs> to, um, you know, it's funny, your, your application, your application, the first thing you, you submitted when you wrote in was, fuck, where do I start? Exactly.
1: When you were diagnosed with like, when you mean what not to do when you were diagnosed with diabetes, like, did you like, were you like, fuck it, straight to Cinnabon?
0: <laughs> yeah. i don't
1: I don't give a shit <laughs> i'm going to
0: cinnabon <laughs> that is like the sugariest thing, i was eh? trying
1: to think in my head yeah. what's like like what is the it's highest that. sugar it's content that. You thing that you could possibly yeah, you buy you found it yeah. that's it yeah so is that what you did
3: <laughs> uh actually no i was uh believe it or not i was paranoid of needles petrified i think my life my whole life theme has been to overcome my fears because uh I was the type of kid my parents had to bring a friend with to get my booster shots because I would freak the fuck out and they need someone to hold me down um yeah so I just developed this giant boil on my inner thigh one day I was in grade 10 um Mm. Couldn't walk. Took me to the doctors. I lost a lot of weight that summer. I was super thirsty. I remember telling my parents something's wrong, but they were just like, "No, no, no. You're going through, you know, hormones. You're changing. You're, you're growing." Um, He took one look at me and said, "You know, you lost a lot of weight. Yep. Are you thirsty all the time? Yep. Going to the bathroom all the time? Yep. This is not normal for a child your age to get. Get you in. Get you tested. My blood sugars were through the roof. so then that's when I found out type one, I'm going to be giving myself needles. And uh, what was that? Grade 10. So 14, 15 years old, something like that. Mm. And uh, very stubborn, very independent. You tell me I can't do something, fuck you. I'm going to do it, even if it hurts me. Mm. <laughs> so mm. it was one of those. You know, not taking care of myself. I just wanted to have fun, party. I didn't want to be treated any differently. I mean, I must have taken enough insulin to keep myself out of the hospital out of a coma, but checking my blood sugars, watching what I ate. None of it. I was out drinking and partying and, you know, you know what teenagers do, what they're like. Drugs. So, uh, yeah, smoking (laughs) dope and (laughs) getting with the bad crowd of kids. So.
0: What like yeah. how quickly how quickly does that become apparent that you're like not like doing the things you're supposed to be doing to take care of your yourself with as a new type one diabetic?
3: Um. Well, the first couple of years, my parents had a really good you know their thumb on me. were really involved in it. Um, I think there was a lot of when you talk about mental health, right? It was Ooh. here's the diagnosis. Here's what you can, what you can't do. You know, I was in the hospital for a week. Um, here's how you gave yourself insulin injections. And it was basically uh, the doctors just seemed to pull a number out of their ass and be like, take X number of units of insulin every day, you know, take a shot in the morning of the short of the long acting insulin and then a shot before bed. And it seemed to be doesn't matter who you are, what you're doing, what your body composition type is. It's just like everybody's on the same dose back then. Mm. Um that's wild. The first couple of years it wasn't too bad, but then as I got older got into a different group of friends you know you start stop listening to your parents and uh yeah so
0: do you do you remember like like were they did did when you're um admitted to the hospital for a week and and they're like going over this sort of new thing that you need to do to like manage your the situation that you found yourself in um Do you remember them like explaining, like, here's what will happen if you don't do this? Like, here's why it's important. Or was it just sort of like, hey, do this thing and it's and you have to do it. And that's that.
3: It was pretty much this is what you do. And and that's that. There was no if you don't follow this, this is what's going to happen. You know, temporary, like short term, long term down the road. Like none of that, really. It was just this is what you do from now on. Stick to it. Go home. You know, here's your needles. Here's your insulin. See you later.
0: I think that's the interesting thing about like what we've heard. From people who are who are like diagnosed, especially when you hear this a lot when people are diagnosed with something like cancer, when like, you know, they're told that this is their diagnosis. And then even if the doctors tell them, you know, other things after that, they don't hear anything because they just Ooh. hear like, holy fuck, I have cancer. cancer. And like, yeah. then they, they can't think of anything. I imagine that that's probably true too. as a kid, like whether or not they, you know, somebody literally like the words came out of their mouth or not in telling you like, here's why this is important. You're not going to fucking remember any of that stuff. Anyway, and then I imagine that it's probably really you know like the the thing that was most important to me when I was that age was like trying to fit in and be normal and you it's mm-hmm. already fucking hard enough you know without dealing with this other situation so I imagine it was probably you know not your first priority in like <clears throat> yeah, trying it's, to manage your, it's it's homework your for your shit. health
2: and yeah. when you're a kid you don't give a fuck about homework I mean unless you're some kiss ass you know and like that was kind of we I was all kinda, know i was like, like that fuck those kids yeah. right you know you guys know, i mean taylor knows what, know what i'm saying um i you did you did as a bully yeah you did mention you did mention something there that i that i'm kind of curious like you, you 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 had a you had a really bad boil did that what was the boil situation did that have to do with the diabetes or was just that yeah, just like yeah like you just happened? It, it's one of the little
3: it's just a side effect complication so i would get these When your blood sugars are out of control, it's just easier to get infection and stuff. And um, so I remember that summer having really bad leg cramps. I was getting trolley horses in my calves. And at one point I was at the cottage with my my cousin and I had a trolley horse in both legs at the same time, both calf muscles. And then they were like swollen afterwards. I could barely walk. So my aunt brought me to the hospital. They did blood work. And the answer I got was drink more milk and do stretching your enzymes are a little off. Not, I guess they didn't check my blood sugars then because they were probably up in the thirties back then. Like normal is between mid four to like five, Mm. like upper five range, um, Mm. under six. And I was probably, I know when I finally got tested, I was at like 32 and a half or something like that. Like they were lucky. I was, they they couldn't believe I was still walking around. Mm. So it's just a, like a, an infection like a hair follicle infection that just like it looks like the scar right now looks like someone put out a cigar on my inner thigh like it was humongous
2: like like it would have been like like probably a pinned post on dr pimple popper oh Um, yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) it's the real the real good good
1: it's so wild to to even (gasps) like i mean i guess you you kind of encapsulated it there like that they were fascinated that you were even still walking because like uh i feel like the word sugar is is uh is just like misunderstood, I, it, gigantically by the population. Like I th- I feel like it, it's got this like big X over it. Like sugar's bad, but like sugar's also super necessary. Yeah. <laughs> like you need incredibly yeah. necessary. Yeah. Not like, your for me. Body, I get your no body, sugar. Your body doesn't. Yeah, and then you do your keto thing or whatever. I mean, yeah. I know you don't do that, but um, but people, but people do do that, and mm. I don't know. the Jury's very much out on that, but like it's such an important part of your body functioning and you being able to like just be an alive yeah. human and go through the day to day of using your muscles like your muscles don't mm-hmm. function without sugar it's, a, it's a, yeah. it is a crucial Fuel for your muscles for you to be able and, to live.
2: Yeah. And some people's bank accounts don't function without a sugar daddy or a sugar mommy. I mean, sugar's very important. Sugar's very important. We all, so need, so many we all need sugar yeah. in some way. I need that for uh, my bank account. I, uh, I, so, so, okay. So, so, you know, you're, you're, a, you're a rebellious young, uh, lass who doesn't give a flying fuck about checking her blood sugars. That can't mm-hmm. be sustainable. So, at what point? was there a shift at what point did you start to actually like, Oh, okay. I gotta like, I want to, I want to put my health first.
3: Yeah. Well, that didn't happen till mid twenties. Like I, I, I don't know how I functioned to be honest. Like I just don't know how I was functioning. Um, I do remember not feeling well going to the hospital. I actually walked out because of my phobia of IVs. Like i needles IVs like I'm still don't like getting IVs even though I've been through I don't know how many surgeries but um but yeah I actually like walked out of the hospital signed myself out like nope you're not giving me an IV like yeah when I first uh got them I I would ask them to cover it I couldn't look at them Mm. but uh but yeah it was um I think it was in my mid-20s I had uh I knew I was in trouble. I mean, I felt like shit all the time. Like when your blood sugars are high, you feel almost like you've got. It's almost like you've got shards of glass in your muscles. Everything is just hurts, and like you're sluggish, and you've got brain fog, and your vision gets kind of cloudy because you know everything is thick. You know, you start getting muscle cramps and stuff. Um, So I remember kind of you know going back to the doctor, tail between my legs, going, "All right, uh, I need to go see." somebody. Uh, I need to start seeing somebody. I need to get control on this. I need to start regulating my blood sugars, getting everything back to normal. I need to like, I want to live kind of thing. Mm. Um, So that's when they started switching up different insulins, um, different regimens. And uh, it was just, it was quite a slog just trying to get everything under control again. Mm. Um, I don't care what you say. A lot of the medical community will say you know what you're eating right you're taking your insulin you're exercising you can control your blood sugars i don't know to me that's bullshit it's not um it might be easier for some but i mean i could do the exact same thing every day eat the exact same food get the same amount of sleep um my blood sugars would be all over the place you know up and down and up and down and um, I think hormones, stress, all that plays a, a part sure. in it too. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. It's
1: um, this funny. is so. a this is a. Uh, th- I, I I I imagine that this actually chronologically kind of comes later in in your story. I'm I'm sure I'm sure it does, um, because they're they're like sort of recent. But like on that topic of managing your blood sugars and the challenge of that, do you mm-hmm. have a continuous glucose monitor? And did that? And, and if you do, did that change? did did that change your ability to, to, to proceed? Did that change your, your capacity for managing um, Mm -hmm. more effectively?
3: Yeah, I did eventually um, switch over to an insulin pump and that came with a continuous blood glucose monitor and that just changed everything. Like I really think that I should have started on the pump, but I wasn't ready for it. You know, it's a, device that's attached to you and there's all this maintenance and it to me it just seemed like such a hassle to have this thing on me all the time but Mm -hmm. actually it was like the easiest thing i could have done and my blood sugars everything went down where my a1c a1c went from 12 and a half percent down to like a five five and a half percent in three to six months and then they just stayed there so no. the
1: the pump is the pump so instead of like it, you know if you a friend of mine is a who has a type 2 diabetes he has a he has like one of the circular um CGMs that you know he sticks on his arm he can monitor it or whatever he wants but he gives himself his own insulin he gives himself his mm-hmm. own needle so the pump is doing these two functions together autonomously is that what's happening? Uh, it's, it's checking it. You and still then it's
3: have pumping? to, it checks it, but you still have to say yes or no. But oh, okay. with the pump, you're not giving yourself the injections. There's right. like, um, it's one needle every three days or so because there's a cannula that goes under the skin and it just continually gives you little drips and drabs of very quick acting insulin you know mm. throughout mm. the day to cover while you're because if you're not eating or anything your liver's still kicking out sugar it's processing mm. stuff in your mm. body and then when you eat mm. I would just count carbs sugars that kind of stuff and then take an extra little bit to cover what I've eaten um, so with the monitor it would kind of show on my pump and it would alarm if my blood sugars happen to be mm. rising quickly or dropping quickly so that I can you know do something about it um so it doesn't it wouldn't automatically give me extra insulin it would recommend a certain number of units and then mm. I would say yes or no and then it would do it mm. so but it's so, so much easier
2: totally when you were in your when you're in your like mid-20s or so and you and you and you decided to take this shift of like focusing a little bit more on on longevity and, and taking care of your health and and focusing on the things that you need to like stay alive. Um, were you at that point in time, like, were you, was there anybody else in your life? Like, were you, were you, were you dating or like, you know, was there, was there, was there another life that you had to like think about other than your own? You know what I mean?
3: No, not at the time. No, mm. I, I think it was just one of those, um, I woke up one day and the stick fell out of my ass, I guess. Like sure, it was just sure. a light bulb moment of just like, what am I doing? Like this is mm. crazy. I this is I'm killing myself, right? I need to get a hold of this.
0: I, I am curious about that, like to use your metaphor, that stick in your ass. Um the like <laughs> that that it wasn't a metaphor, Brian. I, she, she literally, right? Like, oh, it was a literal you. stick. It just dropped uh, out, yeah. yeah so the, 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 I, the diabetes I, stick. Yeah. I, I'm, I wanted to <laughs> ask you about that that feeling of of like the fuck it mentality um, because I think when, you know, when you described all of the symptoms, like, you know, your muscles feeling like they have shards of glass in them, the brain fog and all those things. I feel like maybe some people listening are like, well, dude, why don't, why don't you fucking take your health more seriously then? Like you're, you're fe- like you're, you're experiencing all these shitty symptoms like Mm -hmm. why not like why is it taking you so long to like you know seek out (laughs) a healthier sort of (laughs) experience Um, but i i feel like i understand why not but i'm curious for like from your perspective in like those i guess like years that it took for you to to sort of want to make that shift like what do you think it was in those moments that sort of prevented you from being able to pull that literal stick out of your ass
3: (laughs) (laughs) uh I think to be honest, I um I don't think I was given the the mental health, like the to deal with what I was facing. So in a way it was almost like um I refused to admit it or I refused to to deal with it because I wasn't ready to. So I was mm-hmm. just like, fuck this shit. I'm out, I'm doing this, I'm gonna have fun. I'm gonna go with my friends, I'm gonna drink, you know, all that stuff. And then it was just I don't know if I suddenly matured overnight or I don't know. I, it was just, uh, I do have a suspicion that, that back then I still had, I had some sort of, I don't know if it was anxiety, depression or something about, you know, cause I didn't want to be different.
0: Mm. I didn't want
3: anyone to treat me differently. Um, you know, I was I was having adults in the doctor's office tell me that basically it was my fault or it was my parents' fault as diabetic because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. they must have given me too much sugar as a kid, and I was mm-hmm. like, "What?" Yeah. Oh
2: wow, that's a,
1: like- that's that's interesting yeah. because because I I know that that is a common stereotype and narrative with type two, but I've never but but I thought type one was like the the like like.
2: We're also talking about a very long time ago when, like, right. people just don't know fucking jack shit about squats, so it's like, yeah, you know, you like just you just hear the word. Some odd years yeah. Ago. yeah, yeah. It reminds the, me yeah. of those those commercials of like the the acne kid who's like, I don't. It's not because oh, I eat okay. too many chocolate bars, and right. everybody's right. like, right. it is. Yeah, it is yeah. because it you, is. You, you eat, eat grease, <laughs> you fucker. But, but yeah. I,
0: the reason why I wanted to, <laughs> the reason why I wanted to ask about that too is because like I I feel like in my mind I draw a lot of parallels to to the um, experience of like living with depression where, you know, people would be quick to think, like, well, why don't you, you know, like, why don't you do more things that you like? Yeah. Or like, get some mm-hmm. more sunshine or eat better. Just or smile get more more. Sleep. Yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. And be, Just
3: smile more. Get out of it. Like, it's, shake it's, yourself off.
0: It's easy to see how that the experience of, like, being in that, you know, in, like, a mental health crisis as well as dealing with, like, a, a physical illness it yeah. is, mm-hmm. like, this, like, really hard sort of, Negative cycle of of emotions experiences where you're just like like i can't i can't I need fucking help and mm-hmm. I need somebody mm-hmm. else to you know help me get through this or at least I need to you know I need something to change so that I can get out of this um, mm-hmm. and it's not your fault like mm-hmm. it's not the person's fault that they're dealing with that, yeah. Mm-hmm speaking of something else that's not your fault uh let's fast forward
2: for the sake of getting to a bunch of the shit that i really wanted to talk oh, yeah. about uh <laughs> let's fast forward to the period of in your li- in your life when you uh have a partner and you guys decide like we're gonna get pregnant um mm-hmm. and how fun that experience was oh it was so much fun <laughs>
3: <clears throat> so like yeah like you said um I remember going to the doctor and you confirmed, yes, you're pregnant. And I remember my family doctor saying, this is going to be a challenge. And in the back of my head, I was going, uh-oh. <laughs> so first two trimesters, everything went perfect. Blood sugars are great. You know, everything, I'm feeling good. Doing, uh, I was doing neonatal, uh, mm-hmm. prenatal yoga. And I, we had a doula as an instructor. And we would all, we were all pregnant, different stages. We're all chatting before class. And I remember telling my instructor, like, I don't know. I'm waiting for the, it's like I'm waiting for the shoe to drop because things are going too good. And then cut to third trimester. And um, yeah, so I was on my way to work and I stopped for coffee and I blinked. And all of a sudden I had probably hundreds of thousands of little black dots in my left eye and they all Mm -hmm. just kind of went together. And I had this big glob of darkness just kind of floating around in my eye.
1: Whoa.
3: So pulled over the car, sat for five minutes, breathing, trying to calm myself down because I didn't know what was going on. Right. Like, what the fuck, right? (sighs) So I called my doctor and he told me to call my ophthalmologist, call my ophthalmologist, leave a message. I'm like, this is what's going on. I don't know what's happening. So I go to work and uh I think it was took them three days to call me back. Oh yeah, yeah. No worries. It's just blood in your. It's just blood floating around in your viscous liquid in your eye. I'm oh
2: like, yeah, yeah. What? Totally. Yeah, right. That's <laughs> yeah, just like, like. Don't worry about <laughs> <yeah>. it. <laughs> every every fucking Monday.
3: Yeah. The old yeah. the
2: old blood in the eye. Can, I get it. Can we yeah, just yeah. acknowledge how
0: much of a fucking trooper you are? That you're <laughs> yeah. just like, Oh yeah. Well, like like you're scared, and then all well, of a sudden you're just like, oh, fuck it. Like I'm yeah. um, gotta go to well, work.
3: <laughs> I couldn't. What, what was I gonna do? Right. I could still drive. I can still see clear out of one eye. It was like, okay, I can. <laughs> go home and freak out when i don't know what's going on or i could just go to work and get on with my day so that's what i did (laughs) so uh then i think a couple weeks later it happened in my other eye so now i'm completely blind i mean i can see shapes but i couldn't see anything uh i couldn't see details so it was like um when you put oil and water you know it just kind of Mm. slowly moves around that was what i had like just these dark blotches in my vision
2: oh my god did you like did it did it? I mean, I'm. You say that, and that makes me squirm. Um, and and that's just based on the like the thought of 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 the visual of that. But like, did you feel anything? Like, did it feel like there was anything in your no. eye? Or no? no? Okay. Wow. Wow. Like, did I didn't. Wild.
3: I didn't feel anything. Like it was so. Just, you've got little blood vessels all in your eye that help bring oxygen and mm-hmm. help you see, mm-hmm. and that's what I had. Little micro bleeds. So it was just the blood coming out and there was just so much that I was legally blind. And did
2: your eyes look fucked? Like were your eyes nope. just all red? No. Wow. you nope. I mean, think about how small it
1: probably, it probably only needs to be like a very, very tiny amount when it's like right yeah. in your, yeah you know what I mean? Like yeah it, right your, your pupil is so small. Did so you try I'm standing like,
0: on your head? I feel like that could like you know maybe like shake things up a bit or like. Yeah. <laughs> do you put your feet? do you put your feet up the wall?
3: <laughs> you know what? I, maybe I should have tried that. Uh, save easy. me all that.
0: Well, oh my god! Yeah. 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 Who knows? Save me
3: the surgery. Yeah, I, the
0: only problem <laughs> yeah. is you'd have to walk around upside down all the time. Oh my god! Yeah. So this
1: led to surgery.
3: Oh yeah, yeah. So I was told the blood normally like gets sucked up, like it reabsorbs into your body, but there was just so much of it, it wasn't.
0: Oh god! So normally yeah. feels like the wrong word, you know. <laughs> know. Like it. Yeah, it this really is what does. normally oh, yeah. happens when yeah. you bleed. Oh yeah, your when you're. Like, I feel like normally. it. I feel
1: like normally it doesn't happen yeah. at all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did yeah. you? Did you? Um, like? Did they tell you totally why funny. it was? Was it? Did it have to do with your pregnancy? Did it have to do with your diabetes? Was it a? Was it a combination it, of? The it was two? a
3: combination. Yeah. So my blood pressure was going up. I had edema or pre-edema, whatever you hmm. call that. Um, anyway, I had high blood pressure from the uh, pregnancy, and then the diabetes, obviously, there's some small tissue damage being done, probably all over my body. So mm. because of the blood pressure, that was the first thing to go.
0: Wow, yeah. well, so it makes me think I don't know if this is true, but is your blood pressure it's just there's like the pressure your just body is becoming pressurized and then it's just like blowing the blood out of your eyeballs. <laughs> Well basically, I mean
1: like, 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 high, like high blood pressure. Like one of the reasons why high blood pressure is like <clears throat> is like very bad is because your like your veins and like the like all your arteries and everything, they're made of they're made of soft tissue. So that pressure is like increasingly putting strain on that mm. soft tissue. All on the, time. the
0: lazy river. Lazy yes. river. Brian yeah, yeah, loves
1: yeah, yeah. the lazy river. I right
2: I've now. always I always found the blood <clears throat> pressure thing to be so confusing because um like my partner talks about it all the time due to her work and I'm always like, ah oh, man, I, like every time I get my blood pressure, they're like, Oh yeah, yeah blood pressure's good. It's one twenty-five over thirty-two. And I'm like, what the fuck does that mean? Like, like what's the pre- bad? I don't like the, even know. It's like, like the pressure. Like it's systolic, so you know, you never know with the systolic one twenty-five over 32, <laughs> yeah. you're, you're pretty good to go. And it's I'm like, like the what pressure. are you saying to me? It's like the pressure. If it's too high, no, I understand. It's, like, it's like it's shearing I it's like it's shearing the But inner wall what's the top your... number? What's
0: the bottom number? what, what are these numbers? What's systolic? Who are you? I know is that <laughs> yeah. Don't talk All to me. I know that when you when you wear the cuff at the at like the grocery store and you put it on I always do it. It's just fun to sure. do. Yeah, yeah. And it just inflates up and then it goes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. then, do that. but it like makes you like feel, feel your pulse and it yeah. kind of hurts a little bit. It does make yeah. you feel your pulse and I don't like that. And like a kind of good way. No. Yeah, okay. feels nice.
1: Um, so mm-hmm. was, was, okay. So you had surgery and I'm assuming mm-hmm. that happened. Did that happen while you were pregnant and like, no. does the, did the high, okay. So it happened after.
3: Yeah. So, uh, he was born in November um i went till it went in february so i ended up with a bilateral vitrectomy which is they change the fluid in both my eyes so
1: oh, of course they went in that.
3: two little incisions two tubes one with saline oh. going in and oh, one god. suctioning
2: oh fuck. yeah yeah <laughs> holy shit and are you are you knocked the fuck out
3: no oh no. god damn it so fuck. Yeah, no, I I don't like this. I I don't like this. This was not.
2: This was not in your application. I didn't.
0: Fuck. You know I right? didn't. I didn't prep yeah. for this shit. The only person who probably <laughs> doesn't fuck like sakes. needles as much as as you, Trisha oh, is it's probably it's Jeremy. Me. Yeah. 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 God
2: damn, dude. But needles in your eye and tubes eye stuff. in your eyes. Eye
0: stuff is yeah. eye
2: stuff Suction, is suction nice. tubes, needles. you had mentioned going blind and then you were talking about how like, and I also didn't know this, that, that diabetic um, pregnancies, typically there's like a chance of having like an abnormally large baby, which I I didn't know that. Um, So, so like you're on, you're sort of on like, you're on like, like baby watch and they are making sure that everything's going well. Um, So the blindness, where did the blindness happen and when did the baby uh, when was the baby born? Because I know that when, when it, his name is Ben, right? Benjamin? Yeah. yeah. When Ben was born. Big Ben. Things like, things went di- fucking downhill quick. Like it was, it was a, yes. it was a, so like sort of take us through the, the chronological sort of order here of going, all right, I'm pregnant. Okay. Now I'm fucking blind. And now I'm having a baby. Yep. Like how did that all, how did that all pan out? There's so many things.
3: Uh, yeah. Uh, just no. just so, leave out,
2: leave out the suction, the tubes. We're good there.
3: Okay. All right. <laughs> so <laughs> I think, um, Memory serves me correctly, I think it was around uh, Halloween. So it was about end of Ooh, October. Spooky. I had to quit working cuz I I lost my vision. Um stayed home. Now because I'm type oh. 1 diabetic, I was going to McMaster every week, pretty much like ultrasounds every week. Um so I can't see and um remember one time this you know, read your charts well cuz I went for an ultrasound and the technician said oh, there's something here about the baby. There's something wrong with the baby's eyes. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, no one told me anything about this. And it's just, yeah, there's something. i am like, no, 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 that's me. I can't, or I'm blind right now. I can't see. Like, like. but she gave me a heart attack. Um, so we got that sorted out. But yeah, so it was like October-ish, end of October. I went blind. Um, ben came on November 14th. Mm. He was due December 23rd and I was supposed to be induced on the 5th of December because type one, you tend to have larger babies because if your blood sugars are elevated, I don't know, it does something. So you have a really larger baby. So they end up inducing you early, but surprise, surprise. um, I wasn't feeling well and uh Asked my husband to stay home, call the clinic for me. And they said, Yeah, yeah, we'll slide her in between appointments. This was November 14th. And uh, yeah, my blood pressure was 200 and something over. Like it was through the roof. I yeah, was starting to blown get. Blown
0: blood out of your yeah. eyes.
2: Probably, probably <laughs> systolic.
3: Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
2: Right. Cause you know all about that. Yeah. <laughs>
1: so
3: yeah, they, uh, emergency C section, get him out to save me. Oh, wow. And then, and then, yeah, I, I woke up, uh, almost a week later.
1: Oh wow. Like, Holy oh shit. yeah.
3: No, I remember. So another fun fact about me, I'm claustrophobic. The only place they could get uh, IVs into me were in the crook of my elbows. Mm-hmm. So I'm strapped down like Jesus on the cross and they put a mask on me and I'm freaking out cause I'm claustrophobic, Ooh. but it's mm-hmm. oxygen. They do the C-section. I hear a cry I remember my first vision of my son. He looked like a hairy ice cream cone. Like I could see shapes, but not features. So he's oh. all wrapped up with his head with the hair. So it looked like a little ice cream cone.
2: <laughs> yeah, right.
3: <laughs> and then I told the doctor I felt like I was gonna be sick. And then that was it. I have little snippets of memory of time in the hospital. Um, oh. apparently my organs started failing.
2: Wow. I woke and- up,
3: I was having seizures. Um I remember apparently they took me and did some tests. I see, I have a memory of a doctor walking in, telling me he thinks that I've had a stroke and leaving, but I know this is not, this is not how it happened. This is just mm-hmm. my recollection because I was in and out of consciousness. Uh,
2: and all yeah. of this was due to like the, just the jacked up blood pressure, which is blood directly pressure, tied yeah. to the, the like high risk pregnancy yeah, considering that you you are you are a diabetic, that's wow. That's really yeah. um, and and like you know, is that? I mean, I don't know. Did you did you have conversations with like with with anyone after the fact uh, to which you heard like, yeah, well, you know, this is when we said this is going to be a, a challenge. This is kind of <laughs> what we were anticipating, or or was this like an outlier where they went, no, you that that was extraordinarily <laughs> fucked up. We were not ready for all of that.
3: Uh, you know, I never had those conversations. Mm -hmm. I was, Mm -hmm. even years after, I was still going through everything, right? Like, with the kidney failure all that shit. So, like, I never really stopped to have those conversations.
2: And and were you, like, was this a, was this, you know, I mean, I hear you saying it all, and I'm going, wow, that's really, that sounds really horrendous, and that sounds like a really uh, hardcore, um, you know, hospital stay. Um, But, like, how in retrospect, like, you know, how close to, how, like, were you on death's door? Like how, like how, how oh, yeah. dan- how dangerous, yeah. Right. Okay. So the, yeah, it was, yeah. like, you, they really had to work to keep you here.
3: Yeah. They had a, they had that conversation with my husband and my parents. Um, oh, wow. so we didn't, I mean, I'm, how old was I then? 29, 28, 29. I mean, you don't think about that shit, you know, having a will, living will, all that stuff. Um, Then, I mean, to be honest, it it wasn't a planned pregnancy, but, you know, I wouldn't change it for the world now, but, um, Mm. I think it would have been better to have those conversations with my medical professionals before we decided to have kids, but it Mm -hmm. was just something that, you know what, it happened. So, um, uh, where was I going with this? Well, I,
2: I guess the, the other thing I'll ask is, um, I, I know that there, there was some sort of reference to helps help syndrome.
3: What, yeah, can, you, so, can you
2: tell us about that?
3: Yeah, it's like uh, preeclampsia, but it, the way it was explained to me is like pre, preeclampsia, but like to the nth degree. So with everything that had gone through, I had gone through um, all the testing they've done. I was still losing blood. They didn't know where, where I was losing blood. So I ended up with a blood transfusion. I mean, they've kind of ruled everything else out. So before I was discharged, they were like, we figured you had help syndrome. Mm. So um it's it? it's it's an acronym for uh, it's,
2: it's it's uh hemol uh hemo- hemolysis elevated le- liver enzymes and low platelets
3: yeah
2: uh, hemolysis yeah. which is the breaking down of red blood cells E L so it's H E L L P that, that's the mm-hmm. H the E L is elevated li- liver enzymes and the L P is low platelet. low count. Yeah. yeah
3: yeah so Man, it's yeah, they pretty much ruled everything else out. So that's what they just assumed it was, and it's oh. something that the only cure is to get the kid out of you and and you know get you kind of what you need to get you back up.
1: Preeclampsia is like super, super not good, right? Yeah, I, I'm yeah. struggling to recall exactly what it is. I'm trying to bring it up on my phone here, but it has something to do with has something to do with like the like a like a uh, placenta and nutrients not being the baby and to you not being like distributed correctly? Am I on the right track? Uh,
3: I think you're thinking of placentia um uh, I think the preeclampsia is really high blood pressure.
1: Oh okay. Oh for and then you makes, get fluid. Yeah, yeah you start
3: collecting fluid and that's what was happening to me. I was getting fluid on my lungs. Um when I left the hospital yeah. my bracelet fit, you know, up here near my elbow. So that's how big my wrists were. But um God. With my husband living with me every day, he didn't notice that I was continually just getting, right, you know, more right. and more fluid. Mm-hmm.
2: The fucking wild part about all this is, is that all of this happens whilst you are blind. Mm-hmm. They still haven't taken care of the blindness yeah, right. after yeah. the pregnancy. <laughs> yeah. You go and get this surgery where they stick tubes into your eyeballs and, and exchange fluid or whatever. Yeah. Um, Don't need to get back into that at all, but they, they do that, and then and then I take it. There's some time after that surgery before your vision comes back to the to normal. So, like, when did you get to see your son?
3: No, actually, it was instantaneous. Um, oh wow,
2: wow! Crazy. So he
3: only wanted to do one eye at a time. I was like, dude, I can't fucking see. Like, the mm. nurse was like, how many hands? How many fingers am I holding up? I was like. I could tell your arm is up, but I can't see your fingers. Like, Ooh. and and because, and I was like, "You're knocking me out, right?" He's like, "No, no, we gave you a really good sedative." And I was like, "You're fucking kidding me!" I'm like, "No, you're doing both eyes at the same time." Because if I don't like this, I'm not coming back. I'll be blind in one eye for the rest of my life. Because once is enough. <laughs> yeah. So he did both. Um,
0: oh wow. The next
3: that night he took this, so I had these. <laughs> colanders little mini colanders on my face to cover my eyes but that night we went back and he took them off and i could see perfectly clear
0: oh wow no way were so, you were you surprised
3: yeah yeah it well, was like
2: because at that point it would been months right where you yeah. could not see shit
3: yeah oh. everything all of my memories of back then everything was dark and and i know now i was depressed too i mean fuck sure. like i was dealing with so much shit um but yeah, all my memories back then, everything was dark. Um, and
2: how long would how long was it before you actually like got to see what your son looked like?
3: So the following day, so we had to go to London, Ontario, um, to the Ivi Institute, and that's where I had my eyes done, eye surgery done. So the following day, we left, came home, and that's when the first time I saw my son. So he was three, four months old. Yeah, wow. was
0: he as cute as you thought? <laughs> <laughs>
3: he, was, he was kind of an ugly baby. I'll have to
0: admit
3: that. <laughs> were you were you gotta
0: see the baby. He was, were you, were,
3: he was were, a preemie. Like we have yeah, pictures, yeah. and I was like, "Fuck, he was ugly," because yeah. he was so scrawny. Right? Yeah. Like the ugliest babies was... make the best
0: looking kids, so that's fine. <laughs> yeah. I mean,
3: you can't tell now. Like he was four pounds twelve or sixteen ounces oh when he was born. Oh my
0: goodness! What a little tiny.
3: So, yeah, were you pissed I at your friends?
0: Like all your friends that were like, he's so cute. And then you saw him <laughs> for the first time and you're <laughs> like, you, Go, you guys have been lying to me
2: for three months. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I'm glad you said it because, uh, because when Brian asked that question, the first thing, and before you answered it, I was thinking how funny it would be if you had said, yeah, he was really beautiful. And I was like, and then I was thinking, how funny would it be though if you looked at the baby and you went, that's an ugly baby like oh fuck <laughs> but you did and that's that's really funny i got to be uh, honest
3: yeah he was yeah, pretty yeah. pretty scrawny but okay so so
2: this so far this is all crazy and i want to one more time just step in here to push the the needle forward even further because at some point in your in your start I, I i stopped reading your application i don't know where what comes next but at some <laughs> okay. point in your in your your journey you Where does the organ transplant play into all this? Or is that linked directly to everything you've been through so far?
3: Yep. Yep. Again, it's, it's all goes back more than likely to the diabetes. So having a, having a baby is so hard on your system. Um, Before they released me, I remember them saying like, so I didn't know my kidneys were not working so well until I was pregnant going to the high risk clinic because they have you pee on the stick and it tests for a million different things. And that's when they told me, you have a lot of protein and blood spilling into your urine, which means my kidney function is not
1: Mm. working
3: as well as it should be. Um, So when I, before I was discharged, I asked them like, Hey, how is my kidney function looking? Because that's kind of worrisome to me, you know? And uh, they said, well, it could take up to a year for everything to kind of bounce back and go back to normal but we'll refer you to a nephrologist in St. Catherine's because I didn't want to have to travel to Hamilton all the time so I started seeing this doctor and uh yeah no my kidney everything kind of everything came back except for my kidneys um my kidney function just kind of steadily just declined, decline decline mm. and um I will say though, I did, I started doing yoga and that's the only thing I still think that kept me off dialysis because, uh, my kidney function just kind of leveled off at like the 15% mark and then just stayed there.
1: Ooh. And
3: that, the only thing I did differently was yoga. Cause I, I did the whole, uh, see a nutritionist to, you know, I could only have like six grams of protein a day spread between three meals, that kind of stuff. No salt, wow.
1: Wow.
3: no potassium, that kind of stuff.
1: What did but it make uh, you feel like on like a day-to-day basis to have kidney function down at that level?
3: It was a push to get through the day. I was uh fatigued, um again brain fog, um just tired. Like I just remember feeling just tired all the time. Didn't matter how much sleep I got, I was just like no energy, just fatigued. Uh I look back at pictures and like my skin you can tell I was it was pale and just unhealthy. Like I'm already pale, but it was just like almost white. Um, mm. it just, I did not look healthy. Mm. So, uh, it must've been yeah. really
0: hard to, to like, also try to raise a kid at the same time that you're already mm-hmm. feeling like you have zero energy. Like, I mean, parents say all the time, like new parents <laughs> who are healthy are like, Oh my God, I'm so tired. It's so hard.
3: Yeah.
0: And, uh, oh, yeah. and like to have that happening on top must have been really challenging.
3: Yeah. Yeah. It was. Um, I mean, I got, we got through it though.
0: Mm.
3: And I went back to work, but yeah, even then it was so often I would look under my desk and go, Oh, that looks so comfortable. I just want to curl up and have a nap.
0: <laughs> I
1: know that feeling. I don't yeah. think I know that feeling quite like, you know, that feeling, but uh, I know the feeling. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So
0: when did you, when did you find out that you were going to get a Like when, did, when, what was the first time somebody said like, Hey, maybe you need a kidney transplant.
3: So that was, um, that was probably when I was referred to the, they call it the kidney clinic. Um, So my nephrologist, I had to have a heart to heart with him because first, my first appointment with him, he told me my kidneys were not doing so well. And I got upset. Like my, the only thing I knew about kidney failure was what I saw from my grandparents. I have two grandparents that have died from kidney failure. And it's basically you go on dialysis and you die. So I'm 29, I've got a newborn and I've got this doctor saying my kidneys are failing. Um, so I get upset and I could tell he was really uncomfortable. So the next appointment, same thing, we go through my numbers and he says, nothing, nothing big, nothing major, but I'm going to send you to this kidney clinic and you're going to see nurses and they have a dietitian, and they'll go over, you know, eating and for kidney failure, this and that. And they're the ones that told me I was at stage three kidney failure. And my next step was dialysis. And I just fucking lost it because now I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to die now very shortly. And I'm not going to see my kid, you know, even start school, let alone grow up. Mm -hmm. So I had to have a talk with him. Like, listen, you can't be scared to tell me things because you're worried. I'm going to get upset. You know, like, So one thing I found with all this shit that I've been through, you have to be an advocate for yourself or you have to find someone who can advocate for you. But um, yeah, I had to have that talk with them and be like, you're responsible for for me and my kidneys and getting me back on track. Like you have to, I need to know these things. You can't just Mm. not tell me because you're worried I'm going to get upset. And Mm. if you don't like people getting upset, then I need to find a new doctor Mm. because I need someone that's going to be open with me.
0: That's something that uh, that that stood out to me when you were telling the story about your eyes and saying like, if you're gonna do one now, you got to do the other one. Yeah. at the At the same time, like it sounds like, you know, your your um strong personality and attitude that was like, you know, when you were a kid was kind of like that fuck it attitude has kind of helped out mm-hmm. in a way in helping you advocate for yourself as you mm-hmm. started to like take things. I don't know, I don't want to say more seriously, but more seriously yeah. for <laughs> lack of a better term. Yeah. But um, oh, yeah, yeah, that it like that is. Uh, it is a really important and powerful. I'm I'm
2: just this medical cuck. Like they say, we you got to come back. We're gonna do it twice. I'll go. Well, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> that's what the doctor said. I'd really rather it be a different way, but I'm not gonna say anything. <laughs> you know, if I was just a, had a little bit more uh, gusto to my. Yeah. I saw you push. I
1: I saw you. Uh... Maybe not push back, but when I saw you, I was like, get yeah. off of me, bitch! <laughs> Don't touch me!
2: Like, well, there's that's different. That's me. That's that's called panic mode when they're trying to, to pull a fucking tube out of my out of my goddamn fucking. When, I, when arm. I saw
1: them, when I saw them come in to take your pick line out before you left the hospital <laughs> yeah. that day, I saw, I saw, I saw the fire in chairs eyes. Yeah, <laughs> that nurse <laughs> saw pant- the fire in my eyes too. As the panic, <laughs> was- as the panic rose, <laughs> that's
0: um, a different type of
2: advocacy. Different type of advocacy. Yeah, that's uh <laughs> Sir, if you want to <laughs> leave this hospital. Sir, sir, <laughs> sir. Um So okay, now I know so uh, you know, I actually have a, a very close friend who's currently on dialysis. And um she is um hopefully if all things go well, she'll be uh she'll be getting a kidney transplant within the next like twelve months. Let fingers crossed. Oh, that's awesome. Um, um but I know that in order to get a kidney transplant, a big part of that is trying to Find a donor within your own sort of, um, your own circle, your social circle, Friendship your, 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 yeah, your, yeah, your own, your own, uh, friend bubble and, um, friend or family bubble. Uh, what was that experience like for you? Did you, did you have to like, did you, did you go outsourcing for a new kidney or did someone just fall into your lap? Like, how did that, how did that happen?
3: Uh, well, we started by, um, talking to family. I mean, I talked to my parents and then telephone, you know, they call aunts and uncles. And it just went around the whole circle. And, um, actually my cousin and my uncle, um, so his daughter both said, Hey, we'll get tested, which was awesome. And, uh, my uncle was a better match for me. And he was just like, yep, let's do it. I was like, what's <laughs> like, do you want to think about this? Mm. He's like, Nope. Like we're family. You would do the same thing for me. Let's do, let's do it. So yeah, I was very fortunate mm. that I didn't have to go on dialysis before getting cuz you have to start dialysis before they list you on the transplant list. Yes. Um that I had a willing family member who was a match. So uh yeah, he gave me his kidney and then uh it was like what the fuck do I buy him for christmas? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? <laughs> if you if, yeah. you, if he's how really you, he's perpetually
0: one up to you. If you really 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 had to think of it and he came to you asking for a kidney and you could mm. have given him a kidney, would you have done it?
3: If yeah, I was healthy, checking. I would totally mm. do it. Yeah, yeah, you, you yeah. can't, you yeah.
1: can't. In all in all fairness, you can't really ask that question now. It's way too clouded. Right. We all know is she it, would yeah. have said no but then. Yeah. 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 <laughs>
0: now the bias. <laughs> what you're saying, Taylor, is that the bias is too strong. The bias is way
1: too strong. <laughs> yeah. Impossible yeah. to yeah. even yeah. perceive yeah. the level yeah. of bias. Well, right.
2: guess well, guess what, yeah. guys? It, I mean, it doesn't end there. It, it, the, our ladyship loves <laughs> organ transplants so much, <laughs> she yeah. decided, why not get my fucking pancreas transplanted as well? So let's, uh, no. uh, why and how and and what's the deal with a pancreas transplant? Also, I'm guessing like, that's got to be fucking intense because the pancreas and
0: diabetes and insulin, like all that stuff. Yeah. So mm-hmm. walk wait, us wait. through that. What wait, happened there? Please tell me that you don't have any more other people's organs in you. Though this is it, right? Shh. Well, yeah, this well, is the last one. Okay. This is one the last more. one. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah.
3: Okay. Yeah. yeah. Just checking. <laughs> yeah. So uh when I was referred to, so I went to Toronto General to their multi- multi-organ transplant unit to do all the workup and everything. There was a few choices, I guess. There was the uh the kidney, and then because I was early 30s and I'd had this much damage done to my kidney. <clears throat> It's not super common, but they they said I would be a candidate for a pancreas transplant because to reduce the blood sugars going up and down will preserve the new transplanted kidney. Mm. So to save the new kidney, they were were willing to do the pancreas transplant. So um, originally I said I wanted to go on the list to get, you can get both in one surgery, like a kidney and pancreas. Um, However with the shape I was in and being diabetic um, I was going, to, I was looking at the option of uh, he uh, hemodialysis, no uh, peritoneal di- uh, dialysis where you have a tube in your stomach and you dial you can do your dialysis at night. You mm-hmm. just hook it up to this machine and it's, it's sugar water. They push into your peritoneum. It's cleans out your system. And it, you know, instead of the, the hemodialysis, which is the giant needle in your fucking arm and they, move take all the blood out of your body Mm -hmm. kind of thing um so with that you know they said your blood sugars are going to go completely out of whack you're going to feel like shit all over again um so we checked on you know we looked at both options because i had a family member that was a match we just went ahead with the living donor kidney transplant and then once i was you know stable after that transplant they put me on the list for a pancreas transplant Um, now that one has to come from a a cadaver. Um, I'm told under the age of 30, once, doesn't matter how healthy you are. Once you hit your thirties, your, your pancreas starts to develop a fatty tissue around it. And it's such a delicate organ. It's the only organ they don't touch during a transplant. They snip it. They snip the duodenum and just handle it from the duodenum.
2: Oh, whoa crazy yeah
3: it's crazy the amount of stuff i know about this shit now but um mm. yeah so they, they 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 handle it by the duodenum, um and then that's been like transported like transplanted into my body so they've attached it to my lower bowel area because uh not only does it secrete insulin, which is what I need, but it also secretes digestive enzymes to help you digest food, yeah. <laughs> which yeah. I don't need, so they attach it to the bowel so that just gets washed away, I guess. Now th- so so, this might be
0: a dumb question, but at that point if you're like you're getting a pancreas that didn't have diabetes, um do you still have diabetes then?
3: Technically, I'm still diabetic. They consider the transplant a treatment, not a cure, but it's been 10 years. I, my blood sugars are perfect. Uh, My A1Cs have been great. I don't need to check my blood sugar anymore. I don't really, I watch what I eat because I'm trying to be healthier, but I really don't need to watch what I eat. You know, I can eat however much protein I want to eat now and carbs and whatever else. So, I mean, Whoa. I consider it a cure. I mean, it's... Holy <laughs> shit. Really That's uh, wild.
1: So <clears throat> I so I guess, and this is like not directly pertaining to you, but I mean, if that is, and, and maybe it, and I'm sure the efficacy varies from person to person when you, if you put a new pancreas in, but I would imagine mm-hmm. that the reason that this isn't like the okay. thing that we do if you have diabetes is because there's just not enough pancreases out there or the surgery is too invasive. Like the risk is not worth the reward, I guess. Well, when we learned
0: when talking to uh, uh, Laura Siren, the CEO of Diabetes Canada, we learned that one in three or one in four people in this country are pre-diabetic or diabetic. And so... If you consider oh, it's, it's just yeah. it's like a
1: it's like it's like four it's like forty percent of the population not, is either yeah. diabetic or pre-diabetic. Not
0: not to mention though, there I guess an asterisk on that is that ninety percent of those people are type two diabetics. Um, yeah, well, but yeah, yeah, I, yeah, But I guess like a new pancreas, <laughs> there there would have to be a lot of cadavers. Yeah, right. Oh, well, yeah. yeah. I'm yeah. I'm just I'm just shocked at how
2: much I've learned um, throughout this conversation. Like I learned that um, diabetic. Pregnancies can lead to gigantic babies. I didn't know that. <laughs> I learned... Um, uh, do you
1: know that that it is common? Uh, maybe common is not the right word, but it's not not rare, maybe not common, to get diabetes just during pregnancy? Yes, I knew this. Diabetes. Yeah, I did do this.
2: I, there was something else that I learned during this podcast. I'm trying to remember what it was. Um, uh, oh, that the pancreas is the only... Transplant where they don't even touch the organ. That's blind mm. mind. And I just and as I was looking up the duo duodenum, because mm-hmm. um, I was like, what is the duodenum? Denim? Just learned that the duodenum is a, is a little a pair little, of like, jeans. It's two a, it's, of a, jeans. It's, a, it's two <laughs> pairs of jeans. Denim duo denim. Uh, it's a it's a, it's like the it's it's a it's a part of the small intestine. Like right at the very top. I also just learned this by looking this up by looking up the pancreas. I learned that the pancreas is shaped like a big old dick. You got a big cock. Holy shit! I didn't realize. There's a kind huge dick. It's shit. a big old veiny dick in your in your in it it your is, guts. It is Holy shit! A big old dick. Holy
1: shit! And a set of nuts. Or, yes, are like you, those re- are the balls. Are,
2: are we sure that that's not? That is. This is the pancreas. This the, this like the balls and dick. Like big old dick, dick and balls.
1: The coloring balls. of it too, with the green on top, kind of makes it look like an. That's the gallbladder. Fruit.
2: That's the gallbladder. It looks like Shrek's. That's dick. the gallbladder, and then this big <laughs> yellow dick. That's. That's
0: your I imagine, I imagine that that would be the color of Shrek's dick. You know, like no a wonder they lighter. don't want to touch the fucking thing. You know <laughs> what I mean? No, Shrek's dick would be green. No, no, but but you know how like you know like your dick might be like a little bit lighter, different color, <laughs> like slightly than the rest of your body. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Like yeah, because it doesn't get the sun. Like this is our Trek's job. Dick. Let's that's just tre- let's just let's just remind
1: everybody: this is our job.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit! Um, well, I wait, wait, wait before we before we wrap. I just want to ask uh, Trisha because we, I didn't get a definitive uh, uh, answer on this, Holy but but fuck. we're. Both of your transplants, um, you didn't deal with any like uh, rejection or anything like that. They went smoothly.
3: Knock on wood. Yes. Everything went smoothly. I woke up from the kidney transplant next day. I felt a million times better. Apparently, it started working and filtering right away. So, a oh. couple scares. Oh. I've had a few kidney biopsies, but so far, nothing, no big complications. Hopefully, wow. I'm not jinxing anything. But uh, so far, so good.
2: Well, wow. I, I mean, you know, we asked this question, um, this two part question to most of our guests. And like, I, I feel like it's, it, it's not enough to just say what, what's the biggest thing that diabetes has taken away from you. But um, I guess like what? Yeah, yeah, I guess that's the I mean, it, it, the, 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 the through line, it all, it all seems to trace back to diabetes. So mm-hmm. what would you say is the biggest thing that diabetes has taken away from you?
3: I think the biggest thing it took away from me is the, um, like, being able to spend that that first few moments with my newborn. Mm. You know what I mean? Because I was just so out of it. Mm -hmm. Just everything was just going to shit real fast. And it was just like, everyone talks about, oh, I had my baby. And, like, you know, you do the skin on skin and that first feeding and, you know, when they're so fresh in you. And I, yeah, that was Mm. completely... You know, it was not, you know, you've got that romanticized notion of having your first kid and, you know, it being such this beautiful, wonderful moment, you know, you get to see life born and that was just out the window for me.
2: What would you say is the biggest thing that it's given you?
3: Uh, I think it's allowed us and myself to see the forest for the trees. You know, I don't, I don't sweat the small stuff. I don't dwell on little things. You know, I, I I know what's important to me in my life. I've got my family, I've got my health, you know, it's, uh, it's really allowed me to focus and, and realize what's important to, to us as a family, to me as myself. And, uh, yeah, I think that's probably the biggest thing it's, it's given me and a whole different, outlook on things um you know when you're faced with your own mortality at the age of 29 mm. <laughs> almost leave your your husband a, a widow with a newborn um it tends mm. to uh change some things for you so but mm. yeah it's uh you know I, I wouldn't change it for the world though knowing what I would have gone through had I known I would have done it anyways mm. now that I've been able to you know he's sick. my son is 16 now and seeing what kind of a kid he's growing up to be? It's it was totally worth it. Mm. I wouldn't change it.
0: It's awesome. Well,
2: your ladyship, Trish, um, this has been an absolute delight. I mean, you know, you've you've been through the ringer, but it is uh, it's clear to see that um, these experiences have made you who you are today. And you know, it's it's uh, we're just thrilled to have the chance to be able to take time out of your schedule to talk to you about your experience and to share that with others who might be going through something similar or, you know, might know someone going through something similar. And so it really does mean a lot to us and and our listeners that you take time today to uh, chat with us about all this has been a real treat. Thanks for having me. Well, there you go, folks. Hope you enjoyed that conversation. As always, we are coming at you Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. And if you are a fan of the podcast and you want to support the podcast, there's a number of ways you can do that. First of all, you can leave a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. We love reading them. You can simply rate the podcast on the Spotify mobile app, if that's where you're listening. Or if you want to join the conversation, hop on over to our Discord. The link is in the show notes of this episode. And uh, we have a lovely little community over there of sickos and non-sickos all hanging out, chatting. And uh, hey, you could even help produce the podcast over there if you want. You can, again, find that link in the show notes below. Sick Boy Podcast is produced and co-host by myself, Jeremy Saunders, Taylor McGilvery, and Brian Stever. The show is managed by Jeffrey Lonis over at Talent Bureau. The sound design of this episode is brought to you by Donovan the CPAP Morgan. And, of course, the theme music is from the band Take Part. That is it for this week. I'm Jeremy, and this is Sick Boy.